0: Antarctica by Jerry Massey. Arctic Expedition. Drew Thompson stood against the rail of the Gloria, unconscious of the wooden bar digging into his stomach, his binoculars fixed on the iced landscape. Clear sub zero air stirred the frosted bits of hair sticking out from under the rim of his knit cap. He had made the best adjustments possible on the focus of the binoculars while down in the cabin. Out on deck, his heavily gloved hands were too clumsy to work the dials. The diesel craft moved with its own choppy rhythm through the narrow channel of open water. Days before, a Navy icebreaker had come through, splitting the narrow channel in McMurdo Sound so that the summer supply ships could get through but Uncle Jim's neat little Gloria could have managed her way unaided down to Ross Sea from the U.S. station McMurdo. She had already banged through icy water a few weeks ago when coming into the sound, and the ice chunks had not even slowed her speed of 12 knots. His observations were interrupted by a slam of the door against the bulkhead behind him. It was Derek, up for a breath of air. Alaska is prettier, Derek said, coming up alongside his twin brother. Maybe not prettier, but more alive somehow. Drew nodded briefly. It was too cold to talk much. The temperature had read 25 degrees Fahrenheit when they had left the station 15 hours earlier, in a morning that had known no dawn, following a night that had known no darkness. But out on the water, the cold was deeper and more penetrating, right around zero, he guessed. This was Antarctic summer. In winter, the temperature might go down to a hundred below. Sunlight poured like a host of stage lights around them, reflecting off the ice and the thin slits of water. The two boys gave easily with the rocking deck, accustomed to the rolling of the sturdy little icebreaker. Already, both of them had accompanied their uncle on expeditions to Alaska and the North Pole. After getting a little fresh air and inspecting the ice shelf that was the only shore, Derek went below. Months of isolation on the expeditions had taught the teenager a painstaking craftsmanship. In the cabin that he and Drew shared, he was patiently chipping away at a wood carving of a moose that Drew had photographed in Alaska. The photograph hung on the book rack where they kept their Bibles, maps, and travel brochures. Every now and then, Derek would squint at the photograph and then return to his patient chipping and carving. Meanwhile, Drew stayed topside, breathing in the thin, chill air and watching the landscape. People said Antarctica was dead, hostile. Maybe, Drew told himself. It wasn't friendly to man, but it wasn't unfriendly. A man had to come to terms with the cold weather and shifting spells of daylight and darkness. But the land was anything but dead. Along the the Ross ice shelf, he spotted seals sunning them sunning themselves. His fingers itched for his camera, which was down in the cabin with Derek, but he resisted the urge to get it. The seals were far away, and he had plenty of group pictures of seals picked up on the other trips. He had only three rolls of film in his luggage to use up. One photograph had to be good enough to win the national photography contest he was entering. A gloved fist banged on a portal behind Drew. That would be Uncle Jim giving the signal for mess. In 24-hour daylight, they no longer called their meals anything else but mess. If Drew or Derek felt like eating instant pancakes, Uncle Jim whipped them up. But if they felt more like having something from the dehydrated packs or the canned foods, he was just as obliging. Once they had enjoyed five straight meals of chili, they had been working up on deck and on the wharves, loading up the Gloria for travel, and they had all agreed that the canned chili was the most warming of all their food and the least obnoxious to the taste buds. Eating out of cans had taken some getting used to. What is it today? Drew asked as he swung himself down to the narrow galley that Uncle Jim kept shipshape. Derek had already squeezed... To the back of the little table that they shared for their meals the galley was cramped bunsen burners right by the table and the few cupboards packed to bursting with canned foods still wearing most of their woolen outerwear and rubber jumpsuits they huddled to eat around the cramped table potatoes uncle jim exclaimed fried them myself drew wrinkled his nose expecting the reconstituted dehydrated stuff that passed for potatoes aboard ship and then he gasped when his uncle slid a plate, a plate of the real thing in front of him. Told you they were fried potatoes, Uncle Jim said. Where'd we get these? Derek grinned, and Uncle Jim said, That brother of yours picked em up somehow when we were back at McMurdo. Don't ask me how. Drew looked at Derek, who shrugged with his slow, easy shrug. "'Got to talking with one of the cooks out there,' he said simply. "'Told the guy how much we like french fries, and here they are. "'I was saving them for a celebration when you get that award-winning picture. "'Only I talked him out of three or four of the little ones,' Uncle Jim interrupted. "'Sort of a pre-celebration.' "'Uncle Jim prayed over the meal. "'Afterward, they ate in silence, wolfing down tinned beef and sardines with the fried potatoes. "'Happily, there were no women to tell them how to behave.' Of course, not having mom nearby didn't stop them from attending to important things. One thing that these wilderness excursions had taught Drew was to accept responsibility, even when nobody was there to tell him what to do. If he didn't spend time alone with the Lord while on a wilderness trek, Uncle Jim might not realize it as quickly as mom would have. Nobody would be there to tell him to read his Bible. On the first excursion to Alaska, he had given in to temptations to spend all his time studying the land and the new people. But then he had realized that nobody could have ever made him be a Christian anyway. Not on the inside. It was a decision between him and God. Realizing that had made him realize what he was giving up by ignoring his Bible and prayers. Though he was thankful for a godly mother and for Uncle Jim, now he understood that nobody else could have a relationship with the Lord for him. For some reason, knowing that he was expected to commune with God on his own had made God seem nearer. And really, there was no better place to be alone with the Lord than in the great snowy regions of the earth, where the very bigness and wilderness of everything showed man how he depended on God. Since Derek had provided the potatoes, Drew offered to do the simple cleaning up that followed. He had finished and was snooping through the cans, looking for chili for the next mess, when the report of a rifle brought him out of the cupboard, tense and ready, "'Come up, Drew, come up!' Uncle Jim called from topside. Drew swung himself up to the galley. The chilly breeze slapped his face, and he buttoned his wool shirt and zipped up the rest of his rubber jumpsuit as he came out on deck. "'There's a stranded party on the shelf,' Uncle Jim said as Drew came out. His uncle nodded across the widening expanse of water. A summer thaw and several icebreakers had loosened up this part of the widening sea, releasing the frozen water from its bonds. In the distance, a fire burned on the shore.' "'Drew couldn't make out any other shape in the water "'that would give evidence of a damaged or sinking boat. "'Uncle Jim took Drew's binoculars. "'Now, why would they be out in these waters with no pickup?' "'he asked himself, squinting through the binoculars. wonder if they were after something. "'They got a toboggan with them. "'No, two. "'Hmm. "'Well, we can't leave them there. "'Make ready to go in and get them. "'Tell Derek to get my cabin ready for visitors. "'I'll bunk with you two. Drew obeyed. A rescue would mean heading back up to the Sound to base, postponing the trip to Cape Crozier and Uncle Jim's study of the Adelaide Penguins. It would also postpone Drew's chances of a good picture for the contest, but that didn't matter. There would still be time to get the pictures and then get to the base in time to send the pictures in. The Gloria swung round and came in toward land, chugging sturdily as great bits of ice crashed off her bow. A group of seals farther up the shelf flipped into the water at the sight and sound of the smoking and bulching monster, her bright red mast and stacks looking somehow rusty against the dazzling pure whiteness of the Antarctic snow and sunshine. Derek came up from below. He didn't resent the fact that Uncle Jim always automatically chose Drew for important jobs like rescue and handling the most delicate photographic and scientific equipment, In a crisis, Drew thought fast and and moved fast. Derek was slower and more deliberate in everything he did. At that moment, while Drew was ready to lower the small dory for rescue, Derek helped him at the ropes between snatching glimpses of the party on the ice shelf. As the ship came within hailing distance of the party, Uncle Jim leaned out to halloo to them and wave. I'll watch the Gloria, Uncle, Derek offered. Their uncle gave a brief nod and waved to the group of four men standing on the ice shelf before a roaring fire. Derek disappeared down below. Now where'd he go? Uncle Jim asked irritated. Oh well, we'll manage it. That boy's a dreamer. Come on, Drew. They lowered the dory and clambered down the ladder, easily dropping into the rowboat as the swells brought both ship and small boat together. After a stretch of a hundred yards or so, they landed on the shelf and were helped ashore by the sorriest-looking bunch Drew had ever seen. "'I'm Tice,' one thin and windburned man said, his breath coming out sour from between his unshaven lips. "'How many be on your ship, and where are you headed to, friend?' "'Private science expedition,' Uncle Jim told him. "'Just come down from McMurdo to take a look at some penguins farther out. There are three of us for this short stint.' "'But my boat there will hold all of us. Come aboard.' One of the men had stood with his back to the rescuers, and when he turned around, there was a long, smooth rifle in his hand that he swung smoothly in Uncle Jim's direction, stopping it at chest level. "'Ah, no,' Tice said to Uncle Jim. "'We ain't going up to the base, I'm afraid. "'Nor you, man. Nor are you.'